Do you want to earn an online income or start a side hustle, but have no idea where to start or don't know what skills you have that will translate to making money online? My online course, Freelance to Freedom, provides a step-by-step -step system to help you create unlimited time and location freedom using the skill set you already have. This course is for you if you have some work experience and you want to be able to start earning an online income as a freelancer, consultant, or offering professional services. You can sign up today and take the course at your own pace at digitalnomadbootcamp.com or by going to the link in the show notes. Check it out at digitalnomadbootcamp.com. Welcome to Badass Digital Nomads, where we're pushing the boundaries of remote work and travel, all while staying grounded with a little bit of old school philosophy, self-development, and business advice from our guests. Hey there, Kristen from Traveling with Kristen, and welcome to episode 167 of Badass Digital Nomads. My guest today is Sergio Sala, a digital nomad from Mexico who is now a full-time digital nomad YouTuber. I love this conversation with Sergio where he is explaining to us exactly how he went from a traditional lifestyle born and raised in Mexico through to becoming a freelancer, then an online freelancer, becoming a digital nomad as far back as 2014, and how he has been able to adapt his career and revenue streams over the years to ultimately become a full-time YouTuber and how he's making income from a lot of different sources except Google AdSense. So a lot of people assume that to make money online as a YouTuber, that your main source of income would be through YouTube ads, but that's actually not the case. So in today's episode, Sergio breaks things down and how he makes money online and how that allows him to continue traveling around the world. He also shares some of his favorite places to live in Mexico how he had his laptop stolen in Medellin, adapting to different cultures. And he also talks a bit about the different city guides that he makes for YouTube. So living as a digital nomad in different cities around the world. I really love this conversation with Sergio because it shows a perfect example of what the permissionless economy is. There was no one around him and his friends, family, or network in Mexico who were telling him to start a business on his own or to become a digital nomad, but he started step by step and he did it anyway. That was also one of the things I loved about last week's conversation with Alex Fasulo. In case you missed it, she went from writing $5 blog posts on Fiverr with zero experience to becoming a Fiverr millionaire. And I just listened to her episode again last week, and I even sent her a WhatsApp message telling her how much value I personally got out of our conversation and how much I enjoyed talking with her. So make sure to check that episode out 
if you missed it. And also let me know what you think about this and any other podcast episode. Last week in the Facebook group in Badass Digital Nomads, I posted about Alexandra's episode and Ted respond and he said as a quote, word nerd, I'm currently researching freelancing and seeking to learn what I can regarding editing, translating, and content creating, as well as the nuances of the business side. I'm picking up numerous helpful tidbits from this group. Grateful, end quote. Thanks, Ted, for joining the conversation and make sure to stay tuned to my YouTube channel because I have a video on freelancing and passive income side hustles coming out soon. It's been about two years since I made a video about online income streams, so you definitely don't want to miss that. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Sergio Sala and remember to check out a copy of Digital Nomads for Dummies to read his story in print. You can buy Digital Nomads for Dummies almost anywhere that books are sold and there is also a direct link in the show notes. Enjoy. Well, welcome Sergio to Badass Digital Nomads. Been a long time that I've wanted to have you on the show, so I'm so excited that you're here today. Thank you. Thank you for the invite, Christine. I'm very excited too. You're welcome. And where are you joining us from today? We got to ask because, you know, this is the show of travelers. <laughs> today I'm in San Cristobal de las Casas. It's a long name in Chiapas in the southern state of Mexico. And it's actually very close to my hometown. I was all the way in Europe and I went to do some family stuff. And I said, where, where should I go next? And this one is so close by. So I said, let's do it. And that's why I'm here. Oh, okay. So you were close to your hometown. Yeah. Well, you've spent a lot of time in Mexico because you're from Mexico. Mm. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up. Yeah, I'm from Tabasco. <laughs> also, every time I travel, I tell people, you know, I'm from Tabasco. They're like, like the sauce? That's the first question that they ask me, you know. The capital is Villahermosa. That's where I was born. Tabasco, the sauce is actually from Louisiana because people ask me all the time. But... There's a chili called Tabasco. That's why they name it like that. And that's also in the southern part of Mexico, but not close to Playa del Carmen and Cancun. It's like in the middle of that arch of the country. Mm -hmm. And the state of Tabasco just below is Chiapas. And that's where I am right now. It's like five hours away by bus. And born and raised there, but then I moved to other places. Maybe we can start talking about those things. Yeah. Well, I knew a little bit about where you were from because I Googled it <sighs> when I asked you to be in my book in Digital Nomads for Dummies. And I was like, where is Tabasco? But I didn't even think about the hot sauce. But now that really? you mention it, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But it's a much bigger city than I had expected because for some reason I had never heard of it. I'd never been there, but it looks like quite a large city. So you had a pretty traditional childhood there and went to college to study architecture, correct? Yes. Well, the city of Villahermosa, it's a medium-sized city. Yeah, it's big. It's almost a million something people there. Well, I don't know. I don't know the stats. I stopped counting. Oh, so Tabasco, is that the state? Tabasco, the state. Okay, okay. The thing is that Mexico, not everybody, but a lot of Mexicans, we tend to say the state because sometimes they're repetitive. Let's say Puebla, Puebla, you know, the 
the seat of Puebla in Puebla or Oaxaca of Oaxaca. So it's kind of annoying to say that. So we tend to say the states. That's how we go. Yeah. Like Quintana Roo is the state of Playa Carmen. Uh, Playa Cancun. Tulum, Tulum. Cancun. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit confusing. Then we have Riviera Maya, which is all this, all the parts, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, the state of Tabasco and the city of Villahermosa, and that's the medium-sized city. I grew up there. It's just surrounded by Mexicans, of course. In my school, I learned some English. So also people ask me, how do I speak well? I guess that helped. And also playing video games <laughs> and learning everything. You know, back then, everything was in English. So I was consuming a lot of English that helped me. And then I moved to Puebla. Puebla, Puebla. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I moved to school, to university, to study architecture. Before that, I learned to build websites when I was 14 years old, just because I love to play a video game called Pump It Up. It's a dance machine game that you play with your feet. In the States, they call it Dance Dance Revolution. Mm. I played it so much that I decided to create websites. And I don't know why at 14 years old. And that brought me to what I'm doing today, but it's like a long, long story. And I did some projects here and there. But when I had to choose a career, I said, no, web design back then, it was to study, you know, graphic design or uh, programming. And you were talking about 20 something years ago. So the world was very different. So I decided to study architecture. It was something a little bit different, but not that much because it was also creativity and designing and something like that. And I moved there and I loved it too. Like Puebla is a beautiful city. If people wants to visit it, it's such a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love Mexico. Mexico has so many great places to visit, you know? Yeah, it's so diverse. And it's definitely a compliment to Mexico that you're from there and you're a digital nomad, but you keep going back there and exploring some of the different areas of Mexico. So we'll talk about that a bit yeah. because you've done videos about what it's like to live in these places too. So people can check those out as well. So yeah, you graduated with your architecture degree. And then yeah. from what I know about your story, you yeah. tried to start your own business, an architecture firm with your friend. Yeah. And that didn't pan out exactly, which is kind <laughs> of how you became a digital nomad. So what happened there? Like, how did your business fail? Uh, and then how did you decide to leave architecture altogether after that? Well, not necessarily, but yeah, <laughs> well, we'll start with how did that business fail and why? Like, why do you think that it failed? There's so many things that happened. I th think the very first thing is that we were so young. I was like 21, 22 when we opened the architect firm. And it was just after graduating, just like one month of vacation and after that boom we, we started working on these projects and it was just two guys me and another friend handling so many things architects is amazing but it's also so it's one of the hardest jobs to do especially if you run the whole business because you had to check you know the staff the the workers then there was the family the first project that we had they saved money for 20 years so imagine that pressure you know oh we need to build a house to these people <laughs> they save so much money you know oh yeah all those things. It was really hard. And then me and my partner were not that connected. There were some things that happened in there in the background. So after a year or maybe less than that, like eight months, nine months, I was like, no, you know what? I can't. I just had to say no. I had some vacation in December. That was the time that I think, like, should I keep it or should I do something else? And then I said no. So I just came back to the firm and said to him, sorry, I'm leaving in 
in a few months and now just it's up to you or whatever whatever so i left that and it's funny like everything that has happened in my life you know everything has a reason as they say you gotta connect your thoughts hmm. when i was studying in college i had opportunity to travel for one year i did what they call erasmus it's basically this travel program for europeans but i was kind of counted like that so i moved to torino italy for one year like a study abroad yeah yeah study abroad but it was amazing like i always say this is third year before and after that mm -hmm. i was also only like i don't know 20 years something like that 20 years old i moved there like a new language new place europe like my first time uh traveling abroad and then I changed a lot. I was less shy because I was a very shy guy when I was younger. I was trying to plan everything. Hey, let's go here. Let's go there. I found out how she was flying in Europe, at least, you know, with Ryanair and all those things. Mm -hmm. And the idea was only six months, but I extended it up to a year and a half. One year of studying and six months of just like sabbatical. And it was amazing. So all those things also like... Help me realize like, wow, like I love traveling, but how can I travel more? Then I went to the architect firm, it fell. And then I went back to Tabasco with my family. It's just like, damn, what should I do now? And I remember that I designed the website of our firm and it was actually a good one. It was like, huh, maybe I should start charging for websites. You know, like this is something I've been doing for many years as a hobby and even build the one from my firm. So why don't I make this a business for me? And that's when I opened like a web design service. And we're talking about 2013. It's a long, long time ago. And it was easier back then because less people had websites, you know, and also my niche, my niche was starting just with architects. So I was contacting friends and all the community that I knew like, Hey, I'm an architect, but I'm also a web designer. I can make your website. And that gave me the traction. Like I started getting clients, clients here and there. Eventually moved to other things like entrepreneurs, like other kind of clients. But that was the starting point. And in 2013, I just realized I just needed a laptop to work. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that I need. And just like mind blowing. You know? So that's when I decided to travel and I said, okay, now I'm able to travel like full with my work. So let's do it. And that's when I became a digital nomad and my first place was Lima, Peru. And the two, three months there, then I went to Machu Picchu and all the places. It was slowly because I didn't have enough money not to do it everywhere, but like staying two, three months, saving some money here and there. And at the same time, I realized that I kind of fell alone in this journey. No, nobody else was doing it. So I decided to open a blog and I opened a blog that it was in Spanish because I was mainly talking to people who speak Spanish. So I opened a blog that I call it Se Leyenda, which means be legend. Mm. And it was inspired by some people that also was reading Chris Gillibu, Tim Ferriss, and, you know, the typical four-hour work week that everybody read. Yeah. I saw, like, there was a blog community, people writing and sharing things. I was like, if they can do it, I can do it too. And that op opened so many doors for me. And it's very interesting too, because I never wrote in my life. It was just because I wanted to share some passions. I put myself on the computer and write, write every single day. It was hard at the beginning, but then 
I started to get used to it. And from my mom reading my blog, he went to, you know, like a <laughs> hundred people, a thousand people, and then tons of people everywhere. I got invited to conferences. My first one I remember was in close supply of Carmen to some students just sharing, you know, that, Hey guys, it's possible to travel the world and just make an online business. But everybody back then, of course, they just called me crazy because <laughs> it was not that common in 13 for 2014, something like that. And I was like juggling between those things, building websites and also having my blog. And those two things gave me enough income to keep traveling. And I just move, move a lot. Then I was sharing my lifestyle, my struggles, the good and the bad of working online. And I remember in 2015, I think it was at the end of that year, that I went to Playa del Carmen and I went to the co-working called Nest. I guess you've been there, right? I don't think it had been built yet when I was there. Which year? I was there in 2013. Okay, it wasn't 15. It was new. I think they opened recently. Yeah. I think it was after I was there because I was looking for co-working spaces and there were not any <laughs> at the time, but now there's plenty. But you haven't been since then? Actually, I was there also in 2015, but just working from the apartment. Okay. But I haven't been since 2015, probably. Wow. It's changed a lot. It's probably changed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so much, so much. But yeah, in 2015, I went to Nest and if somebody has been there who's listening, the one that I went, it was way before the, the first building. They don't have it anymore. But I remember arriving there and meeting this guy called Eric. I just sharing what I was doing. He's like, hey, are you a digital nomad? And that was the first time I heard the term. Wait, what? Like, I am a digital nomad. You know, this is my thing. Yeah. And ever since I also changed my content a little bit, I went from the name Selayenda to my personal name. Sergio Sala is the Spanish blog that I have way, way before and focusing all my content to that, to digital nomadism. So I, was, I became kind of the main digital nomads in the Spanish world. And that was really cool because I was invited to speak to many conferences. I went to one in Buenos Aires, the DINIX, they had a Spanish version, went to Barcelona, even some small speaking in, in Thailand. So I, I was moving everywhere. And also my web design service also changed completely to blogging and personal brands because that's what I was doing. People were searching for a web designer who was also good with blogs and they found my name through the footer of other clients, something like that. They said, oh, this guy's a blogger, but he's also a good designer. So I'm going to hire him. So that's how I started working for many years or for so many years I, I just works designer travel here and there. The very first time that I went to the States, it was in 2015, if I recall well. And it's funny. I don't know if I tell you this, but at my first place was Fargo, North Dakota. Did I tell you that? No. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Imagine a Mexican guy asking for an American visa and saying, I'm going to Fargo to a conference called Misfit. And another one called World Domination Summit. <laughs> I was thinking like that was going to be denied. You know, like this guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're going to deport you. I know, but luckily not. Actually, the guy who was the one who attended me in customs was like, oh, pretty cool name of conference. You're, you're good to go. Something like that. What was that conference? Were you speaking there? No, I wasn't. It's hard to explain now because 
it was many years ago. It was only three times. The guys literally disappeared from the internet. But this guy called A.G. Leon, who I'll tell you the story short, he was turning 30 back then. He had a normal job in New York. And then he said, no, this is, I need to make a life-changing event. And then he dropped that. And then with the wife, they created a whole project called the Misfits. And then they do social projects here and there. And then they had like a whole like Shakespeare show in the UK and they had some projects in Philippines and it's a long story and when they travel in the States they, f- they found Fargo and they loved it so much that they decided to create a conference there and that was with the f- first guys that I was following a lot he had a blog too of course that's how I found him and the way that he wrote the art the whole thing was like I need to see him so I went to Fargo I loved it. It's hard to say because you had to be there and I haven't been back to Fargo since since then. But the whole conference, it was in an art gallery. Everything it was up to detail, every single thing. The whole town, it was amazing. I was so surprised for Fargo. For example, it was this pizza place. Every single month, they created a new kind of pizzas. I remember that. Everything, there was, there was so much creativity there. And the whole conference, it was only 80 people all together. We didn't even know who were the speakers. Imagine that. You just go and immerse yourself in the experience. And I remember talking to one girl when I arrived. And then the next day I knew she was a speaker. Oh, shit, she's a speaker. Because <laughs> she was doing some cool social projects. What kind of topics? Uh, it was everything. But for example, you know, the minimalists. Mm-hmm. They were there? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That sounds cool. I became friends with them. Because it was so small community that we all became good friends. Who knew? Yeah. They actually showed their first Netflix show. It was a preview. We had a preview. Wow. It was amazing. Back then, 2015. I met the Minimalist. I met uh, Jonathan Fields. I don't know if you know him. Jason Suk. The ones I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. Victor Sad. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting names here and there that I got to meet personally. And I loved it so much that I went twice. I went the next year to Fargo again. And that was the last conference because it's also a long story, but they decided to focus on Philippines for what we know because they're so off the grid now. They're doing a lot of projects in the Philippines, but I need need to catch up with them. But anyway, it was amazing. The Fargo event was amazing. And then I went to Portland to the World Domination Summit. You know that one, right? Yeah, I've heard of it, but I've never been. It was also... This year was the last one, unfortunately. They ran for 10 years, I think. That was also an amazing event. More than 3,000 people when I went. Wow. It's crazy the things that they did. I meet also lots of amazing people. What I keep telling to anyone who wants to start or want to connect, just go to these conferences, you know? Like the one that I just went in Bansko. We, We can talk about that later, but it's just great to go and meet the people in person. Yeah. It's cool to do these online things, but it's so much better offline, you know? Yeah, I know. Sometimes I feel like a little hypocritical because even being such an advocate for remote lifestyle and digital nomad lifestyle and doing remote work, it's still so important to have that human element. I don't even want to say human element. It like sounds so robotic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, no. (laughs) It's just so important to have human interaction in person with people. And I was just watching a video 
I don't know, it was like something on YouTube and some guy was talking about that as well. I think it was filmed during the pandemic. So we had that experience of being completely cut off from each other physically and remote. And I don't know if anyone loved it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he was talking about how since then it's kind of accelerated this split between the people that are going completely, let's say meta, you know, Facebook meta. Yeah. The metaverse is something else. (laughs) Metaverse or whatever. Like there's AI and there's all of that stuff. And then there's people that are living without smartphones, which seems so crazy, but yeah, they're like completely not totally off the grid, but they're going more into nature and being less online and not having social media and not having cell phones. So I kind of do both, I guess. Like there's a lot of us Mm. that are in the middle where Mm -hmm. we like to have that technology and everything, but we also like to do things the old school way and the analog way, I guess you could say analog life versus (laughs) digital life. And now we have that option to choose, Mm -hmm. but I was just in Istanbul we were talking about the safety wing ambassador trip Mm. and it was a small group of people, but being there reminded me how important it is to have FaceTime with people because a lot of them I knew already through email and stuff, but until you actually get to hang out with people in person and like have meals together in just a few (laughs) days, you get to know them so well. It's funny because you said FaceTime. Yeah. And it sounded to me, you know, the Apple FaceTime. Actual FaceTime, like one-on-one. And I felt really sad to leave. Mm. You know, you you make friends with people and I'm sure you felt that way. Yeah. In Bansko. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The way that you said it, I always thought there was two kind of people, but I think there's three or even more, but Mm -hmm. there's the one from the metaverse. That's another topic, (laughs) but there's the ones from only one to do online. And there's the one who wants to mix it. Yeah, that's why I say four kind. We're hybrid. Yeah, we're hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I think online tools, as I just said, it's a tool. So it's a tool to connect. But then we're going to crave in real person later. Because let's say we keep chatting like that, you and me. And like maybe one day let's, let's meet somewhere. Because you feel like you need that. No, like it's the next step. Yeah. Talking about that, did we meet before? I think in... Cancun or not? I feel like I saw you, or at least. Were you Nomad Summit? I was in Las Vegas. Were you at that one? No, I wasn't that one. That was 2018. No, but I missed the one in 2019. I was traveling somewhere else. But yeah, sometimes you almost forget who you met in person because you kind of feel like you know people through content anyway. I feel like we did. Like even though we've never actually spoken, we've just texted and emailed I already felt like I knew you (laughs) from watching (laughs) your videos and stuff. (laughs) But yeah, you can't discount the value of being location independent. I mean, just yesterday I was at the coffee shop and asked the guy, you know, he's like, oh, how's your day? I'm like, how's your day? And he's like, I wish it was two o'clock. And it was 8 a.m. And the girl behind me was like, oh, you have a long way to go. And I was thinking how no matter what job people have, they're like waiting for it to be over at the end of the day. And here's this guy who's just working in this coffee shop. And he's like, oh, I wish it was time to go home already. And I was thinking, yeah, it's so nice to not have that, like to not be trapped in a physical place where you're like, 
waiting for the clock to count down. I mean, I can remember being in school, like being in elementary school, middle school, high school, and like watching the clock and waiting to get out, you know, and for lunch Hmm. break or for the end of the day. And I'm sure that's how it feels in a physical office a lot of the time or a workplace. So it's so nice to be able to work online. Yeah. And sometimes you don't clock out enough, but yeah. Going back to the story, I was happy to keep growing my blog because the idea when I moved just to Digital Nomads was to share and help people, at least in the Spanish world back then, to tell them, hey, it's possible, you know, look at all the options. Like I'm a web designer, yeah, but there's also blogging, there's also marketing, there's so many options. And that was the idea for so long. And that's how I was growing my community. Then I moved to Chiang Mai. Where are you in Chiang Mai? I felt like we met somewhere. I was, but I didn't meet you there because I was there during <laughs> the burning season and no one was there. I literally didn't meet a single digital nomad. Well, which year? That was 2015. Okay, I was 2016, I think. Yeah, we were just missing each other. Just somewhere over there. Also, like your experience, so you going to Torino, Italy, my first trip overseas was to Italy. It was to Rome, and it was probably around the same year. And that's what really changed my perspective of like, wow, I could actually live in this country maybe, or I could live in other countries, and that would be so fun. Which year was that? That was 2000. 2000? Yeah. Oh, wow. My 2010. Oh, wait. 2010 was your first time in Italy? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I was way... <laughs> okay, I'm way older. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when you were in Peru in 2013, I started my digital nomad experience in Peru in December of 2012. Okay. Kind of over there. <laughs> yeah. And then I went to Playa del Carmen. Hey there, Kristen here. Did you know that I have a weekly newsletter? You can stay in touch and receive an email from me every Friday by going to travelingwithkristen.com slash subscribe. You'll be the first to know about new projects, videos, and opportunities for attending meetups, live streams, and more. You'll also get a lot of travel and remote work tips, insights, and thoughts that I don't share anywhere else. Sign up today at travelingwithkristen.com slash subscribe. And now back to the show. Let's go back a little bit to how you were making money online. So Hmm. did you know that you were choosing a niche when you started working for architecture firms? Or was that just the path of least resistance? You thought, well, I know architecture, I know architects, and I know how to design websites. So maybe I can make websites for them. No, I chose a niche since the beginning. And that's what I keep telling people that having a niche is so important. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to reach everyone and you ended up reaching no one, you know? Yeah. And that helped me so much. Like it was easier to get my first clients because it's the same reason that I said it. And it was so easy. I'm an architect, but also designer. You need a website. Let's build it together. Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't mean because I was just starting, you know, like my first clients i just charge a little my very first client was my godfather he has like another kind of business and that was for free but i had to try something you know you get a case study yeah a case study that's true that's true <laughs> yeah the architects there was not that much at the beginning but it's also like starting to get my clients and then i started raising my prices when i got more demand I learned a lot. Lots of the things that I learned in my life is just through the internet, which is crazy. More than what I studied. <laughs> That's what my, my mom hates, you know, like 
I, I learned so much in the internet. No what she paid for my college. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> it's still life experience. It is. And then how many clients did you have that, where you could actually support yourself in a digital nomad lifestyle? Because I think people overestimate how many clients you actually need to like make a living to support yourself. Hmm. It really also depends on how much you charge. Mm -hmm. But there was a point that I was just getting two clients per month. But because I'm charging more than that, like 4,000 per project, even more, it depends. And then some retainer projects, because mm -hmm. websites, at least there's so many things that you can maintenance. take care of, you know, yeah, no, the maintain yeah maintenance and updating It's always updating, especially WordPress. And then the cost of living is quite low comparatively in Mexico. And then why did you choose to go to Peru? Was it just for fun or was it to even lower your cost of living more? Yeah. I didn't know if I should say it when I was telling that. The very first project, it was because I went through ISEC. Do you know ISEC? Mm -mm. So it's like an organization, I think mainly for college people all around the world. And what they do is they give you two options. You can either do a social project or you can work in a company anywhere around the world. I found about them, I think it was in Tabasco. Someone invited me through one of the college in Tabasco. So this is ICE. Oh yeah, also in my college in Puebla. Anyway, I knew that ISA could help you find a project anywhere around the world. So I found out they had a project in Lima and it was a social project, but my state, that was my very first travel. It was in Peruvian family. So basically I didn't pay that much. And I wasn't having so much expenses and I was able to work with my clients. So that was one of the best ways to start my journey. And it was an amazing project. We were 12 people from all around the world. So many good friends, some from the States, from Germany, Austria, Vietnam. There was a girl from Vietnam, Brazil. And the idea was just to help a school with low resources, just to give them a broad perspective of life because we're from everywhere. I was the one running the project, I remember. So I remember well how we did the whole thing. And just I remember every week we have food from different countries. Like I made some guacamoles <laughs> <laughs> and some Mexican candies. Yeah. It was great. It was such an amazing experience. And I was going to Starbucks. That was the only place to work at. I remember very well. So half the project and half my web design, I was working on both. And back in Peru, that's when I decided to start my blog. When I left Peru, that's when I work half-time now on my blog. Always juggling the different kind of projects. And but client was all, always, always the way that I was making enough money to keep traveling, you know? Like, and my expenses were also so low because the slow travel, spending a few months here and there. That's what I'm saying. In Chiang Mai, Thailand, I moved there, I think, 2016. Yeah, that's like 16. And I don't know if everybody in the audience know, but it's cheap to live there. So having a one client, it was enough to live at least for four months, let's say, which was amazing. And being cheap doesn't mean that it's bad. It's also the greatest thing about China is the, the quality of life. It's the best place for that quality of life and, and how much you spend there. Yeah, it really is. Well, all, all of those places, I mean, I think... Chiang Mai is probably on par with living in Lima. Lima could even be cheaper maybe, but really? one of the guys I met in Istanbul, 
I think he's from UK and he has his home base in Chiang Mai and has a two bedroom house for like $500 a month and shares it with his partner. So they can cover the rent even when they're traveling. And yeah, it's a lot different if you're paying, you know, two or 3000 a month in rent. It's painful to pay for that if you're not there, unless you're renting it out or something. Mm. But did you find the cost of living pretty similar between Mexico, Lima and Chiang Mai? Or what was your most affordable destination? That's very interesting questions. The problem about Lima is that was many years ago, I was just starting... I was not paying for housing. Oh, right. It was a homestay. Yeah, not even food. Like, they gave me everything. Basically free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that program called? How do you spell it? I-A-S? I-A-E-S-E-C. I-A-S-E-C. Okay. Is that just for students? For what I recall, I haven't checked that in so long. Okay. But I think either students or just recently graduated, something like that. We'll add it to the show notes. These sorts of opportunities aren't advertised. I feel like you have to kind of uncover them. Mm. I think that's probably why you and I started blogs. Like I started a blog in 2007 when I was living in Costa Rica. And you almost feel like you've struck gold. It's like this must have been what it felt like to find gold in California during the gold rush. You're like, Eureka, <laughs> like I just found this lifestyle or I found out like, hey, guess what, guys? You can live in Peru and work from Starbucks on your laptop. That's crazy. I was living in this Palapa in Nicaragua surfing every day. And I was like, hey, guess what? You can like live here and, <laughs> you know, do whatever you want for work. Our internet was really bad at the time, but, you know, it was hard to find that information online and a lot of people weren't talking about it. So yeah, you kind of felt like you're screaming into the wilderness, into the abyss and nobody's listening, but then you just continue with your life because life is good anyway. And then eventually <laughs> there starts to become more awareness and people have more access to that information. So is that why you started a YouTube channel? Yeah. So when I moved to Chiang Mai, Chiang Mai 2016, I'm saying that's like the peak of my digital nomad life. <laughs> I was living so well, as I said, you know, with not much uh, spending, but I also met so many great people. One of them was Craig Adams. I don't know if you know Craig Adams. That sounds very familiar. He's a YouTuber. Like he was doing mostly some wedding stuff and also lifestyle with Peachy, Saradici and oh, Casey Neistat. Some yeah. of these people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I met him and he made a video about doing my house on loop. <laughs> I forgot how to say it. Anyway, he did this loop. Pretty cool. I am in his video. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> and ever since that, he shifted to hiking and he just went full into hiking. And now he's one of the top hikers in YouTube. Oh, yeah. I think I subscribed to him. Yeah. 700,000 subscribers now. Okay. Yeah. It's crazy. And I'm telling you that because... Meeting him was one of the keys because I love his work. And some of the hiking parts that I make are very inspiring. We can talk about that later. He is a very cinematic, but good at storytelling. Yes. That's how I tried to do mine. Yeah. And then I met Peter Levels. Okay. Nomad list. Yes. I met him there. We uh, became good friends. We went to coffee shops together in Chiang Mai, blah, blah, blah. And then... 
I met another guy who this is the most crucial one. This is a guy called Alan Por el Mundo. You may hear of it, may not, but he has 3 million followers. He's massive in Mexico and other parts of the Spanish world. And I met him because I saw him in Twitter saying, hey, I'm going to Thailand. And I asked him, where? Chiang Mai? And he replied and they said, hey, well, you want to meet? I'm here. I can show you. I guess he saw that I had a blog that was like a normal, real person. <laughs> so he agreed. And then I showed him Chiang Mai. I told him about Digital Nomad. He's like, wow, it's just cool. So he made two videos, one about arriving to Thailand and one just specifically about Chiang Mai. And in both of them, he's like, hey, follow Sergio Sala. He's a digital nomad. He's cool. And that brought me so many audience. Like, it was like fun, like, because he has a massive following, no? And those three people that, let's say, are the crucials that I met in Chiang Mai back in those years to start my idea of making YouTube videos. When I met Alan, people were asking for me and they knew how to block, but they were coming from YouTube. So I was like, oh, maybe I should start making videos, you know? I I was always interested in photography. There's so many hobbies that I'm interested in, and one of them was photography and filmmaking. But I never actually pursued it because so many doubts, you know, like maybe not good, maybe I don't look good, blah, 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 all those things that people put on your mind all the time, you know? And... I do remember when I went to Lima, Peru, for example, I did a video of, of just showing what we did. And I think it was okay. Yeah, I don't think it was that bad. And it got some views, like a thousand views, something like that. I had a YouTube channel in Spanish, but it was just random videos here and there. When I went to Machu Picchu, I did one, but that was so long. It was like 45 minutes long, but it was bad. <laughs> Not the ones that I make now, but I made one just going to Machu Picchu. There were some cool Shots here and there. It's not something that I'm proud to show right now. <laughs> anyway, so after meeting those guys, I was like, huh, maybe I should start making videos. And that was my test. And 2017, I slowly decided, let's do something. But when is the best time? So I was invited to speak in the Noma Cruise in 2017. And that's when I decided to officially attempt to make videos for youtube and i made a video like a day in the life in the noma cruise with my phone there's also what i'm telling people like you don't have to buy all the expensive gear at the, the beginning just try whatever you have and i just shot it had an idea like a rough draft of how i wanted it publish it and People liked it. Even Johannes, which is the founder of Noma Cruise, like, hey, I really like your video. It was, it was cool. And that was like also another of the points, like, huh, maybe it's something that I can do. And that's also, that's what I keep telling people. It was just like curiosity. Mm -hmm. That's how my life it's been. Just curiosity and attempting things and seeing what I am good at and what I'm not good at. And that's when I said, okay, people like this. So let me try to do this official. In 2018, I've, opened my blog but that was sorry my youtube channel but that was in spanish that was because i was turning 30 back then and i did a whole trip which was an amazing trip i went to china to live in a temple for one month i don't know if i told you this part too no there's a whole story about there i don't know how much we can talk about that but i'm thinking about republish that video in my new english uh, channel which we'll talk about later too that was a cool story spent a whole month there learning kung fu i shaved my head for people that don't know how i look 
people know me because I have a, a curly hair. So shaving my head, it was something that I needed to do to reform and stuff like that. And then learning Kung Fu and living in the temple. It was amazing. And that video got tons of views when I had the Spanish blog. So I, I think I'm going to republish it. And we're going to have that later. Is it in Spanish? Yes, in Spanish. Okay. Okay. Well, on my story, I later I moved to English, right? When I moved to English, I removed all my videos and I just archived them in a random Alefa channel just with my Spanish content. And in that transfer, I had a problem that I didn't check all the, the videos and I lost a few of them. I lost the one from the temple. And I lost one that I did in Tibet. That, that one hurts me the most. And I think I lost the one that I did from Russia. I lost the first videos because I thought I already transferred them, but I didn't. And then I just disappeared completely. But long story short, I met some Chinese people back then and they re-uploaded that video to a Chinese YouTube that is called QQ, something like that. So I contacted them and they sent me the link and I have the video <laughs> In not the best quality, but with Chinese uh, subtitles. subtitles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what I'm going to do, it's I'm going to republish it, but I'm going to just embed the English subtitles on the Chinese subtitles so people won't know. Oh, yeah. To cover it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I have two questions. Well, I have a yeah. lot of questions, but <laughs> why did you go to China for a month to shave your head and learn Kung Fu? Oh, <laughs> I said it on the video of, of the Chinese temple, but my favorite show growing up, it was this one called Ang, the Lane of Ang. Uh, Avatar, the Lane of Ang. Not the blue guys, but this kid with an arrow on his head. I don't know if you know it. Mm, I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Some people know it. It was my favorite show growing up. And he, the guy Ang, is a monk and he's Buddhism and stuff like that. So I just wanted to feel how it was to be like a monk. <laughs> That's why. When I was turning 30, I was wanted to do something different. And also, I don't know how to cover this. I don't, because I didn't mention that on the video that I make. It was a, such a great experience. So let me try to say it quickly. I turned 30 in July and I wanted to do also many things different, like living in a temple, shaving my head, but also I was completely off social media. Like I didn't want to talk to anyone. And we're talking about, that was the time of the Russia World Cup. I went to Russia for two weeks for the World Cup. It was amazing. But when I arrived to, to the temple, I completely cut off like all the news. I was like, guys, because I met some foreigners, please don't tell me anything about the World Cup. I don't want to know who wins anything. I just want to be immersed in this. So it was very interesting, like getting completely out of everything around the world. It was also the Mexico elections. So I was also saying, please not, don't tell me who won. I just want to leave this experience. And then shaving my head and telling people 30 days later that I did it. It was very interesting. Everything that I did back then, it was, it was amazing. What did you learn about yourself after that month? Damn, that is a good question. <laughs> I learned that I can adapt to anything. I think that was, that's the main key. I was so happy there. There's some people that stay for years, like literally 10, like you pay per week and you can stay as long as you want. And I would have liked to, but I can adapt to everything. I love being immersed in nature, but I also love the internet world because I feel connected. So I guess I realized that 
I always want that balance, you know? Mm -hmm. I want to have time for me. I want to have time also to connect with people or, or we're doing my work because everything is online. One of the best things of there, now that I remember, and I also showed that in the video, is that when you eat, you don't talk. We, we sit on table, we share every single thing. Everything was like vegetarian and some of the things just that they had it from the forest because it was in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes I didn't even know what I ate <laughs> to that point, but it was amazing. And that single idea of not talking, it was because you had to enjoy the food. Mm. And it's something that we forget. It's completely true. Like, okay, it's cool to go to have lunch with a friend, but then you're just like talking to them and not thinking about, of what you are actually eating. Yeah. Enjoying the flavors, enjoying the things. Yeah, because like food is such a bonding experience, but then sometimes you're not paying attention to the food. Hmm. But I like that you're able to have a communal experience and share the food without talking. So you're having that bonding experience, mm -hmm. but without conversation. And then you're still enjoying the food. Yeah. I did this Vipassana meditation course. I want to do it so bad. I recommend it to everyone. And I also remember thinking when I came out, I will never be bored again because when you don't talk for 10 days, yeah, I really enjoyed it. But I also was glad to rejoin society after that and appreciated it more. And I think it would be good to do it once a year and just remind yourself mm. how difficult it is. Did you do it in Chiang Mai? I did it in Canada. Oh. <laughs> and actually the pandemic started two weeks later maybe about three weeks later. Oh, wow. And we were all saying how happy we were that it happened after we got out because we were like, how weird would it be to come out of the forest and like the whole world was on lockdown <laughs> and then oh, I would yeah, have been imagine. stuck in Canada. <laughs> imagine. We're taking like a repatriation flight. But I want to highlight, I didn't know this about you that you went to China, hmm. but just for everybody listening, one of the things I've been mulling over lately is how there's this very unique opportunity developing where humans who are alive during this time were able to choose what experiences we want to have in life in different countries. And we're also able to choose what cultures we assimilate with and what types of people we want to meet and be influenced by. And I believe that the significance of this cannot be underscored enough. The fact that growing up in Mexico, that you're able to choose what you wanted to do for work, mm. choose to go to Lima, choose to go to a conference in North Dakota, mm. choose to spend a month eating in silence in China, mm. choosing to live in Chiang Mai, like these choices is like your life on steroids to the nth degree. It's like you're able to increase your own personal evolution as a human being and develop your self identity and your sense of self exponentially faster than any other humans that we know of who have come before mm. us. And this is just groundbreaking in my opinion, because you're not trapped by your society anymore. You're not trapped mm. by the rules of your society, by the culture of your society, by countries' borders, I mean, to an extent, like where you can go with your passport. But to be able to just choose 
I want to go to Fargo, North Dakota, because I'm inspired by this guy who started this conference or to be able to reach out to somebody on Twitter mm. and introduce yourself to them and then take them of a tour of a town that you weren't even from, you know, in Chiang Mai, you probably don't speak Thai. <laughs> That's true. I mean, this is like, I just want people to sit with that for a minute because you can use technology and travel to develop your sense of self, your identity in this world, your career, and also mm. to choose your community and to choose what kind of people you want to surround yourself with and who you want to be inspired by. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I like I, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking about my life, I guess because I've always been searching for experiences, you know, rather than other things like, you know, social status and things like that. Mm. And yeah, I'm happy and also grateful, you know, every single day. I don't do like five things to be grateful every day, but it's just on my back of my mind. I just keep being grateful that I am healthy, you know, I've been living so many years doing all these things. I've been able to share this to people. Also, I'm not selfish, like the idea of currently with YouTube, you know, it's just to inspire people to do the same. And then me being able to, yeah, to be anywhere. Also because I practice minimalism, you know, like travel with few things and that give me the options to be anywhere. The Mexican passport, it's a good one. It's kind of close to the States one. I've been able to be most to the place I never been denied to anywhere, anywhere. Right. Yeah. And yeah, like just being grateful and also, yeah, knowing that the tools that we have can lead you to these options. Finding freedom to do the things that I want, it's, it's cool and it's, I'm not the only one. You can do it and anyone, if they really want to, they could. Yeah, and to be able to leverage your environment to acquire new skills, to meet new people, it's like a game in a way. Like it's yeah. it's quite fun. <laughs> It's real life, but it's also you can give yourself access to opportunities and people and personalities and things that you wouldn't otherwise have in your hometown necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Once you can see that and experience that, you can't really go back. Like you can't really undo it. <laughs> Very interesting. That's what I want at the end, you know, like this idea of the global citizenship, mm -hmm. like being able to have friends from everywhere and connect to anyone. And that was the whole idea. Let me go also back to my story. And when I started making these videos of the temple and everything, as, and people saw that I was good making videos, another step that I always wanted to do in my life, which I finally did in 2018, when I was invited to speak in the Nomad Summit in, in Cancun in Mexico, and it was an English event. So that was like, wait a minute. I always wanted to share this to an audience that doesn't limit, that's not limited by the language, you know, meaning that I always wanted to put my stuff in English. And that's when I decided when I was invited to the event to finally change everything to an English audience, not because I want to, you know, get more money or just get a follow by the state. It was because I wanted it this idea of global citizenship mm -hmm. and whether we like it or not, English is a language, you know? Yeah, it's a common language. So more people from different countries who have that language in common can then learn. Well, let's fast forward a little bit to today yeah. and kind of more of the practicalities of how you're doing this. So 
are you still doing any sort of one-on-one consulting or is YouTube your full-time job? And then how do you support yourself? I know a lot of people think that you can just make money through YouTube ads, <sighs> but that can be difficult to make a full-time income that way. So yeah, yeah. How, what are your income streams right now? So from 2019, when I moved to English, it was a whole different world. And I knew it was not going to be easy. So it took me a while. Then COVID happened. So it was harder to make videos. But then slowly I had the idea of making more. I'm also lucky that I'm Mexican because in COVID times, Mexico was one of the best places to be at. So I started just publishing these videos that I had in my mind ever since many years. And it's connecting everything that I know, you know, architecture, digital nomad, traveling. And that's how, for me, it's easier to make videos of living in different cities, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was working with clients still for a bit. And finally, a year ago, I completely dropped that because the video started to take off. And I was making these videos, living in a city as a digital nomad. And one of them, the one in Medellin, that one got a little bit viral. And then the one in Puerto Vallarta was one of the, the, the most viewed ones. And that's when Peter Levels, talking about the guy from Nomadlist, he just commented saying, I love it. That was everything that I needed. Because <laughs> I reached out to him like, hey, Peter, we haven't talked in a while. How, how are you doing? And like, hey, I'm looking for sponsors for my videos. Luckily, it was also, yeah, I want to support some people. So I'm enjoying your video. So let's find out something to work on and then we talk a lot and then we ended up having a contract that it was started as a year but now it's becoming like a long-term ongoing basis that i get paid by his company not at least to promote them as much as possible on, on all of my videos so that's the main income that i have right now and i also have some others i have affiliate links ambassadors of some of the companies like you know safety wing my clothes, everything that I that I wear right now is Western Rice. It's a company that I love and I share everything and I have some discount codes and I get some revenue from that. Affiliates, the YouTube ads, but it's not that much as people think. And the last conference that I made in Bansko was about my digital nomad life as a YouTuber and telling the YouTube app is just like you don't make that much, you know. You had to have millions of subscribers to get a proper income just out of that. And most of the people don't reach that. And it's okay. Maybe you will, but you won't. But you don't have to depend on only on that. You know, there are other ways. And sponsors is one of them. Yeah. So I have there. I have Safety Win. I have, uh, I'm working with them with, with new projects. So the majority of my income comes from sponsors. And I'm working with new companies. I work with Selena too to make some videos together. So mostly, yeah. Uh, sponsors, ads, affiliate links, membership with YouTube that I'm working just now recently so to make some new things with my subscribers, making some live streams and working on those things too. Gonna build some products, online products, also offline. And, and I'm a good YouTuber, like I could make photos too. So I'm trying to sell my photos. So the idea, once you have an audience, it's that you can find so many ways to diversify the income, you know? Yeah. And this is with now like around 10,000 subscribers. So yeah, I think that's pretty attainable if you're consistent 12,000 subscribers now. 12,000, yeah. <laughs> and it'll just keep growing. So, you know, that's yeah. the good thing about publishing. You know, it's rarely going to go in the opposite direction unless 
YouTube closes down or something and then you wake up with no channel, which is also <laughs> possible. But yeah. No, it is possible that YouTube can do that, but they always say the same from Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. There are ways to back up your audience, like building a newsletter. Yeah. So you have their emails. So that's a clever way. So you have here videos on all different places that people can go to your channel, youtube.com slash Sergio Sala. We'll link to it in the show notes, but you have yes. living in Bansko, Bulgaria, living in Buenos Aires, Argentina, Tulum, Mexico, Medellin, where your laptop got stolen. <laughs> what happened there? Oh, then. <laughs> so the thing is that I arrived to a place and I get so comfortable that I forget that things can happen. Yeah. There was a war for that, you know. You let your guard down. Yes, that's a better way to say. Yeah. So I always let my guard down after a while. Most of the people in the world, they're nice people. That's what I'm saying. So after a while, I keep forgetting things. I get distracted. And it was an event. It was a digital nomad meetup in a co-working that when people started arriving, I just started chatting with people and I totally forgot about my laptop. I left it way in the corner of the work, co-working shop. And someone just decided to steal it and they took my computer and my camera, everything was all there. But I think it was also, they knew because I was also making a video about Medellin. So before the event happened, I put my camera in front of the, the coffee shop and just saying, hey, this is an event, it's gonna happen. So maybe someone already saw it. Mm -hmm. They had me know as a potential. Target. Yeah, target. Yeah. So there was two backpacks. There was the, back then I had a girlfriend, so it was only mine. So they knew, they knew what it happened. Mm. But yeah, I lost everything. And that was in January, 2020. And I said, well, let me go. Which this is another part of the story that I haven't told. This also, my mom moved to the state five years ago and now she lives in Toledo, Ohio. I made a video in Toledo, Ohio that got so much famous that it got featured in the news, in the Toledo news and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a, also another story, but basically my current home base is there. So I have most of my stuff there. When my stuff was stolen, imagine I went, okay, let's have a break. Let's go back to my mom's house and save some money, keep traveling. But as we know, that was the COVID year. So I got stuck in Toledo, Ohio. And that's when I realized I got to appreciate the city. That's why I made the video. And I bought some lighting and studio kits. So yeah, I have all my, my stuff there, which is not that much. It's just like studio things, you know? That's how I make also the states my home base. It's just so funny going back to my story, you know, when I was 14 years old that I learned to build websites. I will not believe we're talking about what, 16, 17 years later, that now I'm a full-time traveler, you know, that I share this to an online community, that I make YouTube videos sharing my life to the world. And that I speak completely in English right now, you know, and then, then my mom moved to the States and she now lives in Toledo and that's my home base. Some of those things I will never think that will be my life since I opened my very first website. Yeah, I think that that's part of the magic of the time that we live in is that you can't foresee the future. And when I was in college and trying to choose a major, it was so difficult for me because I was like, I don't know what I want to do in the future. My dad is retired and he jokes that he still doesn't know what he wants to be when he grows up. <laughs> I love that. And the jobs that we have now weren't even invented 
back then. So we couldn't know what we wanted to do. We didn't know what digital nomads were. There was no YouTube. That is true. And so that's also something that I would like to kind of pass on to people is that you don't have to have it all figured out. Just take that next step. One of the things I teach in my freelancing program. So I have a course called Freelance to Freedom that's for helping people make their first dollar online, like their first $100, mm -hmm. their first $1,000. And a lot of what I'm teaching people is how to choose a skill to monetize and then find their first clients through their personal network. And so for a lot of people, that can be the first step, you know, you making your freelancing business through building websites for other architects, like that was your hmm. first step into all of these other things that happened since then that you could have never planned. Yeah. You could have never known that any of it was going to happen. I actually just read this book, The Slight Edge. Have you ever read that book? No, I haven't. The author talks about how he built this company from zero to a hundred million dollars in sales in one year. And he actually goes back and retraces the steps of how it all happened. And there were so many random things that happened. Like he met this person and they were from Germany. And then he got this opportunity to build an office in Germany. And then that person knew someone else. And this one guy was talking to his neighbor when he was watering the grass. And then that guy knew someone like it was like all of these kind of lucky breaks or fate or synchronicity or coincidence or whatever you wanted to call it. But it all happened because he started working and he started asking questions and he was curious, as you mentioned, like, oh, I wonder if I could do this or what if I did this? Mm. And I think that's kind of all life needs you to do is make that effort and take that initiative and just start taking steps. And then you don't know where you're going to end up. I mean, when I got stuck in Miami during the pandemic, I ended up taking DJing classes and now I'm taking two years later, music production classes from the same guy. I would never think of myself when I was 10 years old playing piano that one day I was going to be DJing in Istanbul playing techno yeah. or in Miami. Life has lots of plans for you that you might not know what they are. That's what I'm saying that we have to connect the dots, you know, yeah. like, and also enjoy the process. Not always think about what's going to happen at the end. Enjoy learning and yeah. messing things up to all those things. For me, everything that I learned, web design is the beginning. Architecture has helped me so much on the way of how I make my shots because now I make YouTube videos of cities and I'm an architect. So for me, it's easier to kind of understand and deconstruct the city and find it easier to explain that to people. So I guess that help a lot. Mm -hmm. And then being a digital nomad for so many years, it was easier for me to start making content of digital nomad because a lot of people just want to start right away and make videos of digital nomad, but you don't have the experience. Right. And people know that <laughs> people are not dumb. So they know when you're faking most of the things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Like, I think it's good to see people's experiences at the beginning, but they need to present it from a very transparent aspect of not positioning themselves as an expert in something that they've been doing for one week, for example. Exactly. <laughs> um, Which I've seen a lot. <laughs> yeah. So we'll send people to your YouTube channel. Yeah. 
But out of all of the Digital Nomad City Guide videos that you've made, what is one city that really sticks out to you where you had a particularly positive experience as a nomad? All of them. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> so that's the thing. I like to adapt and understand every city. I see the good and the bad of most of the places. I, I like most of them. So my goal as of now is to go to all those places that I've already been, but I haven't made a video about so we're talking about Chiang Mai, right? I had some that I made in Spanish, but it's not the ones that I make now because they're very different. So I'm possibly going at the end of this year, or maybe the start of next year. And that's like what I'm looking most forward to share with people why I love Chiang Mai, you know, mm -hmm. with, with my style. But the current ones that I have made, I think one of the one of my favorites is Tulum, mm -hmm. which is very interesting because what I wanted to show there is what is Tulum and like share them why Tulum is great because a lot of people go and only think that it's just a beach, it's only fancy hotels and you know this uh, jungle parties. That's what most people think. That's why I only go two three days. Mm -hmm. And on my video, I show. That there's jungle parties and fancy hotels, but there's even more than that. And there's the whole community and then the beautiful nature and then cenotes and then the diving, like the, the, all the things you can do. And I was so surprised because, so my videos are long. Also, you people got to understand that because I tried to share as much as possible for every city. The longest one that I made was Mexico City. That was 45, almost 46 minutes. And it was kind of obvious, you know, it's a big city. It's going to take so long. And then when I made the Tulum one, it's 44 minutes long. And I'm telling you, I tried to delete some things. Cut stuff out. <laughs> yeah, I try as much as possible. But I was like, no, people need to know about this. People need to know about this. It ended up being almost the same length as the one in Mexico City, which I'm still shocked. But because there's so many great things about that place and people mostly don't know and that's what i wanted to share there's a huge community there co-working tulum and they have a partnership with some of the hotels so you can work in front of the beach it's just amazing wow but anyway that's one of my favorites i'll have to take a look at that because i definitely didn't expect you to say tulum because it is such a cliche <laughs> place to go now but it's really interesting to hear that from somebody who's from mexico and near that area like you're from that region to say that tulum could be an underrated and misunderstood destination with more to offer than what meets the eye i think that's very <laughs> compelling I love it. But the thing is that also as Mexican and the truth, and I said it there, that is expensive. Mm, yeah. And even for foreigners, it's expensive place. It's yeah. worth for Mexicans, so not consider foreigners. But that's an, another thing that I want to try to share too. So the, the videos that I'm making, it's all kind of places, some smaller, some bigger. But also like, I don't want to focus too much on just the money side, you know? I would love to live in Tulum, but I can't right now because I'm making good, but not enough to stay for a long time because I spend that time, which I'm also tracking the cost of living at the end of each video, mm -hmm. people like that. But I spend like $3,500 oh, yeah. for a whole month. Easily. And that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's because it's a great place if you actually have the income for you know? Yeah. As long as you have the internet, <laughs> good internet. The internet is amazing because I also shared this Wi-Fi speeds on my videos. That's why people like my videos too. Oh man, the place that I stayed, 200 download and 150 of upload. Oh, that's pretty good because people that have been recently, they're still complaining that like the internet's dropping out a lot. 
they're not a good place. They need to see my video. All right. All right. <laughs> that one got famous. More than 15,000 views now. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Sergio, where can people follow your adventures? Mostly YouTube. Just Sergio Sala or Sergio in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Spanish. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I, I don't mind. I don't mind how, how people say it. But yeah, it's YouTube, Instagram is the same. I might go into TikTok. I just don't like it, but maybe I'll do it someday. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly YouTube and Instagram and hopefully one day like TikTok and other places. Awesome. Well, yeah. thanks so much for tuning in and sharing your experiences with us. It was a great conversation. I hope we get to meet in real life soon. I know. One day, one day. Yeah. I was going to go to Miami, but I couldn't right now. But one day. For sure. Maybe in Asia. Yeah, well, our paths will cross somewhere. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank you for the invite. Thank you also for inviting me on your book, too. Yeah. I can't wait for that one because it's still not released, right? Two more weeks. Okay. So when this episode is out, it will be out already. So oh, awesome. We'll link to it in the show notes. Digital Nomads for Dummies. I will have the book, too, so I'm going to read it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Sergio. Bye, everyone, and see you next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, why not share the love? You can support the show by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen or by sharing today's episode on social media or with a friend, coworker, or family member. You can also make a contribution to the show at www.badassdigitalnomads.com support. There, you'll find links to donate on PayPal, buy me a coffee, or by joining my Patreon, where for $5 per month, you get to preview my videos before they're published on YouTube and also participate in monthly private Zoom hangouts with myself and other patrons. That's at badassdigitalnomads.com support. Thank you so much and see you again next week.